Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margot Moss. Midnight Menu Plus One is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. Tonight we're here at Grill by the Hill. It's a non-existent restaurant next to Monkey Hill Bar on 6100 Magazine Street in Uptown New Orleans. Grill by the Hill closed down a while back, but on Monday nights we bring it back to life. Uh, the space is this fabulous kish recreation of a French Quarter courtyard complete with a ceiling of twinkling stars. Uh, next door at Monkey Hill Bar, they have happy hour every Monday through Friday from 3 p.m. to 8 $3.50 well drinks, $1 off beer, $1 off wine by the glass, and a dollar off their signature cocktails. Tell them Ray and Margot sent you. Awesome. That sounds like a great deal. I don't know why anybody would not come by. But once <laughs> a week, we meet here, and not only do we offer those drink specials, but we also get to, to get to spend some time under the fake stars and invite a member of New Orleans' restaurant community to join us here in our uh, fake French Quarter Courtyard, and we invite them to bring along a friend, a plus one. We never know who their plus one's going to be. It could be uh, a friend, a neighbor, a family member, a fellow restaurant business colleague, uh, just about anyone. But tonight, I'm really excited, Margot, about our special guest on Minute Menu Plus One. Uh, she is, is Meredith Timberlake, and she, even though she is not related to Justin, she is very interesting in her own right. She's a fitness instructor. She is a gun enthusiast. She is a world traveler, and she also is uh, has brought Hadel's Bakery uh, King Cakes into the city for the first time during Mardi Gras as a pop-up at the Snow Wizard. I'm really excited to be talking to her uh, tonight. And our show tonight is brought to us by Pearl Wine Company at 3700 Orleans in the American Can Company. They're open from noon to midnight every day, and it's Sunday noon to 8 p.m., Pearl Wine Company has the largest selection of small production wine, beer, and liquor reputedly in the city of New Orleans, and you'll find the most thoughtful and passionately selected wines, beers, and liquor at affordable prices. That passion and philosophy is carried over to their full-service cocktail and wine bar. Uh, Friday, they host free wine tasting led by the actual winemakers. All right, Margo, let's not delay anymore because, I'll be honest, there's this giant king cake uh, right in front of us. And I don't want to talk about my week. I don't want to talk about your week. I want to talk about <laughs> Meredith. And I want her to tell us about this king cake. Welcome. So Thank glad you. to have you here. Thanks. I appreciate y'all having me on. So you, your latest gig is you have brought Haydell's Bakery into New Orleans for a pop-up at Snow Wizard on Magazine Street. So we don't have to travel outside the city to be able to get this delicious tradition. And uh, it looks like there's an amazing example of it in front of us. Tell us, like, describe for us a little bit about the king cake that's before us, or the king cakes. I mean, what? How many we got there? Okay, there are let's see, nine different kinds here. <laughs> wow! I know, I know. So Ryan did the, did these especially for sample sampling purposes. So you've got mm. cream cheese, strawberry cream cheese, blueberry, de parish, sugar only, traditional. That one is brownie, praline pecan, and apple. Now, and we actually oh. ship all of these, I think, with the exception of the apple. Huh. You can ship them anywhere in the country. Yes. Well, we actually ship everywhere. The we world. Around ship the world? Overseas. Do yes. you happen to know, like, what, what kind of some weird places? I mean, is this, are these allowed in uh, Dubai? You know? I think they allow them. We have a, a big map in the in the back of the bakery where we like pin whenever we send one overseas. Um, and we also ship APO and FPO, but we only do traditional because it takes a while to get there. Wow. I'm already eating some, and that was just amazing. I just had a big bite of the brownie, and it's amazing. The cream cheese is divine. Now, 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 you have a big announcement, didn't you? Didn't you win a competition yesterday too? We did, we did. Tell they, us about that. They had the big um, first annual King Cake Fest out at Champion Square yesterday. Um, Oshner hosted mm -hmm. it, and all the proceeds benefited Oshner, the babies, and the the kids. Um, and we took home the coveted first place People's Choice Award. Oh, that's amazing! Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, who else competed? There were uh, a lot of bakeries there. Um, a lot of bakeries kind of out of the way places and then you know the regulars were all pretty much represented huh how many people do you think attended the did it was it like hundreds or well i'll tell you this i saw pictures of it i was not there personally it looked like before saints game it really did <laughs> i mean it was packed it was absolutely packed 
So apparently it was a, uh, a big success. And that's a big honor that y'all were chosen out it of. Is. Now, can you um, tell everyone what the parish is in yes. case uh, they're not familiar with yes. it? Cause it's I have no idea. I, and we get that question all the time um, because it looks different, obviously. So with a traditional king cake, it's baked. And then when it comes out of the oven, they do the icing and then the sugar on top of that. But with de parish, it's actually baked with the sugar on top of it. Mm. And then when it comes out, they ice it and put sprinkles on it. Oh. So the icing and the sugar are reversed, and then it's got the sprinkles, too. Well, why is it called the parish? Is that how they do it? Because it's like in the parish. Right. Out exactly. in the parish. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how they do it? That's, I guess so, right? Huh. Now, another thing that is unusual it, is that um, the filling is, looks like it's, not, it's on the outside. Do you, are you familiar with why? Uh, yes, yeah, actually. Yeah, that is unusual, isn't it? It is, it yeah. is. And a lot of people ask us too. Now, you know, my king cake, it's, it's supposed to be filled, but it looks like it's just on the top. That's because all of our king cakes are hand braided. So it's pretty impossible to fill, literally fill, huh. a, a king cake that's been braided by hand. So that's why the filling sits on the top like that. But it's, it's, it's filled. It's just filled a little bit differently because we still hand braid everything. Oh. Well, you get more king cake and more filling. I love it. I'm already going to a sugar coma. In the <laughs> short time that we've had this, well, we've been talking about three minutes, I've already had three slices. I've had the strawberry was amazing, I thought. The brownie was maybe even a little bit better, and I really like the blueberry a lot, too. Um, you have to try the praline pecan, too. Oh, uh, I can't have pralines, though. You can't? Yeah, I've never had a praline. I'm allergic what to do you nuts. Mean? You're allergic uh, to nuts? Yeah. No. My whole life, I've been down here, I've never had a praline. I can't even believe Isn't that. Isn't that kind of tragic? Shame. It is. Yeah, it looks delicious. I have my son's EpiPen. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to know that it. I may need to use that sometime. Yeah. Because well, my allergy, it's, it's hard to describe. Mine's a little different. It's not going to kill me that fast. It's a little, it's more mild, but it's okay. not worth doing, though. All right. Um, wow. Okay. So let's see now. You, um, how did you get involved with, well, first of all, how long has Haydell's been around? It's been around. Tell the listeners about that. It's been around a long time, it right? It has. It has. 54 years. 54 years. Actually, yes. Out on Jefferson Highway. Is that yes. where they started? Or Yes. Uh-huh. They sure did. And it actually, when Mr. Haydell purchased it way back then, it was a, a trampoline center. I guess that was kind of the up-and-coming thing, or so he thought. <laughs> you know, so he purchased it for that reason. Um, then it, went with, it was a 24-hour donut shop. And Wait, then, so you went from trampolines to donuts? Yeah, th- there was a kind of a, a mixture of ideas, and okay. there were two owners at the time. So we, we started out with a trampoline idea, and then we ended up with a 24-hour donut shop. And then over time, <laughs> we, we kind of merged into a full-service bakery. Wow. Very interesting. And now you're, now you're at Snow Wizard, which, of course, that's an that's a iconic snowball place on magazine. What's yes. about, about, a, about the 4,000 block, 3,900 block? What yeah, it's 4,001. 4, and what, what, is, what do you mean when you're there? Is it like a, you can go in and pick up products? Yes. Or is it's it walk-in business only? And we sell mostly king cakes. I believe we have our traditional, our cream cheese, and our praline pecan there. And it's just seasonal. It's just during carnival season. And then we also do a handful of our other popular products, uh, turtles and pedophores. And I think we also have our macaroons out there as well. Wow. Now, how did you integrate uh, these delicious king cakes and a bakery into your life? Because aren't you um, into, are you a health instructor? I am. It's really weird. <laughs> I know. I have. It's the strangest combination of things. I mean, like my life revolves around two things: king cake and CrossFit, and they really don't go together <laughs> that well. But um, yeah, they're they're separate. Um, although I do enjoy a good king cake every now and then it, because I work hard. So absolutely, that's that sounds my treat. beautiful. That <laughs> sounds like a Louisiana match it, it is yeah. it actually is yes that could be that could be the wave of the future for new orleans huh yeah get get really into crossfit and then they can have you can have the ability to eat your king cake all you want right i like it i like <laughs> yeah. it yeah okay so wait tell us what uh crossfit is because i'm not a uh 
very active person. <laughs> <laughs> um, CrossFit, and actually the way that I found it was through a friend who was like posting on Facebook how he, he was doing this new thing called CrossFit and he loved it and there were barbells involved and running and, and just all sorts of really rugged, down-to-earth movements and exercises and how he was losing all this weight. And I thought, well, I might need to try this. So he said, you know, there's lots of local affiliates in your area. Just pick one and go try it out. So CrossFit is essentially constantly varied functional fitness. Um, so no two days are alike. You know, you do a lot of... Like so it's a lot of muscle confusion and all that stuff. And it is. Yeah, right. It is. I mean, you could probably do something different every day of your life. Mm. But you're talking about barbells, push-ups, pull-ups, uh, box jumps, running, a lot of lifting, rowing. It's it just a random combination of things. But it's ugly. We don't have mirrors in the gym, nothing <laughs> like that. Um, Are you yelling at people? No. Or is it more like coaching like it's definitely and more coaching. educating? that's exactly what it is we're very technique focused we're lifting weights so you don't want anyone to do anything incorrectly that would hurt them so it's very technique focused okay now I I think I saw something like it was kind of funny it was like a uh, little it wasn't a video it was like an article about um, rowing and was that that was written by you I I do write a series of articles for a CrossFit website called Tabata Times. And, um, you know, when you're trying to get people to read your stuff, you, you got to kind of entertain them a little bit. So I'm a little bit more satirical in regards to my rowing articles. And all of my rowing articles are actually based on crimes because I found that when uh, I'm a rowing instructor, it's one of my specialties. So when I go to local competitions, I see some crazy stuff happening with rowing. Um, for example, you know, people pull the handle like over their head, which looks weird. It's totally wrong. And um, so I just started noticing that there were a lot of these crimes, really obvious bad things that people were doing. So that's what I based my series off of is, is crimes against rowing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, did I see you, like, powerlifting, too? You had, like, some huge amount of weight you were military pressing or something? I don't know if it was a huge amount, right? But it was, right. yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm also certified in Olympic lifting, which, you know, may seem wait, crazy. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Olympic so lifting. What yes. does that mean? That is actually two movements. It's the snatch and the clean and jerk are the two Olympic movements. So I, it's part of our CrossFit regimen, and I went and got a separate certification in that. So it's just basically I'm... I can instruct people on those two movements. Huh. So how much, like, like what, what are some of your great feats of strength you've done? Because, by the way, you, oh. you, you, they can't see you. Maybe they'll see the pictures later. You look like a model. Like, you're, you're, not, a, you're, not, like, you're not like a professional female wrestler. You're not that build <laughs> right, in exactly. that way. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But that's, not your, right. that's not really your body type. So, but, but, you know, pretty impressive looking stuff you were thro- throwing up on the, on the uh, Facebook page. So what, like, what are some of your feats of strength you've done? I'm not exceptionally strong like a lot of right. the, the women that I work out with every day. Um, but I can deadlift 255 pounds, which is all that is is bringing it from the, the floor up. So that's, I'm not going overhead with that or anything. But, I mean, that's, that's a good amount of weight. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think a lot more than you weigh. Yeah. It definitely a lot more than I weigh. <laughs> um, yes. And then I think I, my last time I attempted a, a clean and jerk, and that does go overhead, um, I think I only did like 120. So that's right. just not that impressive, but I'm working on that. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, okay, so are you going to settle down with an occupation at some point? What are you doing? You're, you, got, you got CrossFit. You're a writer. You also, I know, you, I just saw you wrote an article for a food magazine, too, Louisiana. What was it? Louisiana? Kitchen and Culture. Kitchen Culture magazine. Yes. You, you do marketing and so forth. You did sports uh, advertising and marketing for a while. You worked I for did. the 76ers, did Wait, wait, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. What, what, how did you get into, we're going to have to find a common thread. I know yeah, there is, well, but you got to focus a little bit on what did you do for the, um, in sports? I started off, I guess I've always kind of done like the marketing thing in sports, and I started off in junior A hockey in Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, who knew that Nebraska had hockey, but they do. And <coughs> that was one of the most successful junior A franchises in the country. So we were a small team, but we packed the house for years, uh, and then I moved on well, from what, that. What did you do for them? What, um, what did that look like? Mostly marketing and game operations. 
So promoting the team within the city, and then also on game nights, I would kind of handle all the logistics, music, entertainment. I write the script for the announcer, that sort of thing. Wow. Okay. So that was really fun. So I kind of carried that with me. I went on to the ECHL, the East Coast Hockey League, uh, for the Reading Royals. I worked for them for a while. <coughs> Essentially did the exact same thing for them. And then made my way up to the NBA and the NHL for the Flyers and the Sixers, which at the time were owned by the same entity. So we worked out of the same building. It was the same staff. And that, I I kind of just concentrated on corporate sales in that. I didn't do so much of the operation part or the marketing. I was basically just in sponsorships and corporate sales. But it was was an awesome time. I mean, just a great time. I met a ton of people. It was really fun. What was the craziest uh, night at a game during operations or the something that stands out that you had to really uh, work your marketing skills? Or okay, okay. Yeah, I can, I can remember a couple of them, and both of them probably happened when I was still in junior hockey. Uh, one, I recall we were doing some sort of promotion when the contestant had to just shoot the puck down the ice. And I had a couple of hockey sticks. They were cheap sticks that I worked with that my contestants would use. And the stick broke right in the middle of the contest. And so I had to quickly think, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? So we just grabbed some of the professional sticks off of the bench and made do with that. Um, But it was that moment of panic, like, uh, this just happened, and we're in front of thousands of people, and they're all, like, looking at me and pointing and laughing. I'm sure they weren't, but um, that was kind of Well, because we know hockey fans are all so polite and demure, you know. Right, exactly, exactly. (laughs) They're such delicate people, yeah. Yes. You were afraid for your life to get slammed? No, thankfully, because that would have been worse. Yeah, Philadelphia's the roughest market in the country, they say, in terms of fans. It is rough, yeah. Um, we also had a live chicken on the ice one time. Nice. I can't really remember why. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> but um, I do recall I had a, a, a large contestant, and, and he was chasing the chicken, and he re- he almost fell on the chicken. <gasps> and I, yeah, I that just, sounds like a. Uh, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah. You really? Got, you got you got um, fat con- uh, civilians chasing chickens on ice. Yeah, it was. Whose idea good. was that? I hope that wasn't your idea. It was not my idea. I did approve <laughs> it, and it never happened again. I was like, that that was the one and only time. We're never doing that again. Like, oh, look it at that probably bone made history though. Like, it there <laughs> is still talked about. Uh, it probably is not in a good way, but it probably <laughs> is. Yeah. Speaking well, about making correct? history. We have a history maker with you as your plus one you've selected. Well, we're not supposed to know, but he no, obviously I, I know him. you. you uh, I've met him before. Once you meet him once, you never forget. All right. Well, can, uh, you, can you introduce your plus one? Yes. Yes. I'm excited to introduce my plus one local author, Cornell Landry. Woo. Mm. Thank you very Welcome, much. Welcome, Cornell. My favorite here. person in the world, Meredith. Gosh. Right, I thought you were going to say so nice. me. Well, Ray, Ray, Ray you're, you're you're coming up a quick second, really. Are. I mean, I'm, I'm moving I, up the ranks. The impression, you know, the impressiveness is is getting equaled out a little bit. You know, you're not wow. as pretty as Meredith, but well, you know, like they said, you didn't you see are. they didn't see him on camera yet, or but you need to look her up on <laughs> her pictures. Wow. Okay. Well, now, gosh, I, I'm afraid to ask you what you do because I know you do a lot. What do you do currently? Currently, I am doing mostly the books right now because of uh, I have two books. Well, right. Happy Mardi Gras was my first book that I had right. done, and that's pretty much my inter- introduction to Meredith. Was that I had written a book called Happy Mardi Gras, which was my actually probably sixth book that came out, probably third book that I wrote. But by the time we got it actually published, it was the the sixth one that came out and I had stopped and met Meredith at Haydell's Bakery and and they decided to pick up some of the books on consignment and you know oh. sell them and so of course everybody is familiar with the famous Haydell's Mardi Gras bead dogs right. which the statues were all over the city and so that's pretty much um how Haydell's and I became affiliated with Wait, each so other. Wait, your, so your first books weren't about the bee dogs then, huh? No, my first book was Goodnight oh. Nola. Oh, Good yeah. Night, yeah. Good Night yeah. Nola. The children's wrote, book. Children's yeah, yeah. book, yeah. I wrote Goodnight Nola as uh, a children. I didn't know the chronology of all of them. Right. Okay, Goodnight, for some Goodnight I thought, Nola I wrote okay. as a bedtime story for my daughter Corinne uh, oh. around her first birthday. And that one came out in 2009. And then I wrote Happy Jazz Fest. And at the Jazz Fest, my illustrator who happened to be a Mardi Gras float artist, had asked if I ever considered doing a Mardi Gras book. 
And I said, no, I never really gave any thought to it. But so I always call it the hamsters running around on the wheel in the head. And so at late at night, if I can't sleep, that's usually when I write most of my books is at about four o'clock in the morning or three o'clock, the witching hour and kind of goes on from there, write them. And about an hour and a half later, I'll have the premise or at least the start of a book. You know why? Because you got nobody to talk to at three exactly. in the morning. That's why. <laughs> exactly. you got to shut up so, and then write. <laughs> so, so the next day we were doing a book signing at the Jazz Fest and uh, for the book Happy Jazz Fest that was just released at the Jazz Fest. And uh, I said, hey, look, this is what I wrote last night, Happy Mardi Gras. And so we were going to do that as the third book, but then the Saints won the Super Bowl. So we ah. did One Dad, Two Dad, or You a Who Dad. And um, after that we did you know a couple of other ones. And then the Mardi Gras one rolled on after that and so when i met so you just walk into hadels and you go boom okay now i'm gonna do b dogs i said well no i said hey look i got this book you know happy mardi gras and you know they said oh yeah we'd love to sell them we'll sell you other books too and so meredith got to see each other quite often because every couple days she'd say we need more books which was good for me and um good for my children and so <laughs> when it came time to um I'll be, i mean if you don't know the history of the b dog itself they have a pretty small storefront on Jefferson Highway, Haydell's does. And so to try to add some traffic to the store, they said, hey, let's do some kind of art project that might bring more attention to the front of the store. And when was that? You know when they started that? We Our B-Dog has been around, I want to say it was commissioned uh, 2009. So does that predate your involvement? or is Yes, that, okay. yes. Huh. It was around before. But they're I all over around. the place, now. right? Well, so they what, are. so what happened was the the dog became so popular. The one little statue in front of the store became so popular that the SPCA had seen it, and oh. they asked Haydells if they would be okay if they were allowed to use the statue um, for a fundraising project for the SPCA. So then that's when the dogs were all around the city. And I believe there was between, what, 55 and 60 of them? There were a lot. Yeah, yes. there was at least 60 of them oh, around yes. the city. And, and different artists were commissioned to do different ones. I think they might have paid them a couple grand or something like that each to, to now, do the now I've only been in New Orleans about nine years, so answer something for me, you, you natives here. Um, so the bee dog, though, originated, didn't it, from just people playing with the beads? The kids would play the beads, and they make little dogs right. out well, of them, the, the little the, figurines. The story that we say in, in the book itself was pre-1960s, beads were made out of a single strand of string strewn with beads and so if the string would pop you'd have beads all over the place so it wasn't until the 60s that it became like one strand of beads that if the bead popped it would still be in one right the beads are glued to the string they don't move around right right, right, right. right. so you went from the glass beads to the plastic beads correct and all so that, the right? premise of when i met with the Haydell brothers and meredith one day they said well and originally when I was going to do the book for Haydell's, I, in my head, before I went to approach them with a, with a story, I assumed that the, the statues that were all around the city of New Orleans were always going to be in those places. I didn't realize they were going to be sold off. Uh -huh. And so I was originally in trying to do like a scavenger hunt type of thing to where the kids could go from place to place from bead dog statue to bead dog statue. Uh -huh. And it wasn't until I realized that the SPCA was – actually doing it as a fundraiser and that they would be uh -huh. sold off so now have there been imitators too of other people run around and made their is somebody copyright the bee dog or the other people making their own bee dog statues around the city uh, some people may you don't know i, I wouldn't yeah, be surprised what, what, this part of the the story that we had done was that it, it they have a trademark the haydells has a trademark uh -huh. so you can't actually the way the the traditional bee dogs if you made a bead out of a strand of beads Obviously, it would not look like the statue that they had in front of the store because the head's a little bit smaller, the nose is smaller. Right, so right. they have a trademark specific Haydell's bead dog. Who other people, right? Who uh, other people have tried to duplicate? And now, is there one sculptor that puts these together and makes these, or is there more than one? There is. We had a local artist who actually drew his he did his little rendering of the the old time bead dog in, through his eyes, and then. We've got a company that actually made the mold and pours all the casts. So they're all identical in their proportions, and yes. each one is different colors and different designs on it and so forth. Right. Huh? Each artist has their own rendition of how they they have carte blanche to do whatever they want to do with it. If they want to make it into a snowball or they made one into the Saints, there was a voodoo doll. I mean, you can name it. There's a poster that they had put out of all of the ones that were around the city. 
Huh. So, so when you say you approach the Haydell brothers, can can y'all tell us a little bit about h- how many family members are involved in the um, and who who is still involved with Haydell? Yes, it's it's really awesome because there are four family members that still work at the bakery every single day. So that's that's really great that they're so hands on. So you've got uh, David Senior, who's the dad. So his father's the one that actually started Haydell's. Okay. So you've got David Sr. and then his wife, Dottie. And she does, like, um, the office and vendor type of work. And then you've got Ryan and Dave Jr. So Dave Jr.'s the oldest son, and then Ryan's the youngest son. And they both of them still work at the bakery. And let me just say that Dave Sr. is well involved in all the decision-making everything. When I pull into the parking lot, he's like, what are you doing? Like, I'm just wrapping off some books to Meredith. Okay, he's checking. He's making sure everything's legit and up, you know. He and is. then the one time when they were trying to show me around being polite during Mardi Gras season, king cake season, I'm in the kitchen, and I used to have two restaurants. And I know, I was thinking to myself, I said, I do not want to be in this man's kitchen. I do not want to be <laughs> during, in his way. During I know exactly what it's like. Like I mean, there's, everybody's throwing dough around, and they're whipping out king cakes. And I'm saying, Marath, I just don't, I don't want to be in here. I just want to be, just let me step back because this man's going to shoot me at any point now. <laughs> and he did snap at one point. He's like, okay, you're done. Oh, my gosh. You get out the kitchen. I was like, okay, I'm done. And here's <laughs> the great thing about Mr. Dave, though. Mr. Dave is a Marine. He, he was in the Marine Corps. He flew helicopters. My dad was a Marine. So Mr. Dave can be very intimidating to people. And I, I have the utmost ex- respect for him, but he's like my dad. So I don't, you know, he doesn't freak me out because he's just like my dad, <laughs> you know. So that's how you can get into a third generation family business because that's a hard, I mean, family businesses are a unique, wonderful Margo thing. <laughs> and, uh, but so you can relate to uh, things that maybe other people misinterpret or so uh, your, your father was in the Marine Corps. Yes. And... How did he influence you into uh, coming here? Well, my dad is from Mississippi. My mom's from North Carolina. So we are a very Southern family. And I lived all over. I was born in California. I've lived all over. A couple of foreign countries. But my dad always said that when he retired, it was going to be in the Deep South. And so we came back here and... I mean, other than leaving for college and a few years of work, I always knew I would come back, always, because my dad just always taught me that, like, we we live in the South. So, and he's right. I mean, I don't ever plan on leaving again. You're dedicated. She is the perfect Southern girl. (laughs) She really is. about that? (laughs) She's become one of my good friends and love her to death. Ultimate, Ultimate girl. Thanks, now, now you lived in Guantanamo Bay, didn't you? I did. And Panama. Wait, 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 wait. Now, so you Cuba were in and Panama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not Gitmo. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So okay. So what was that like? How old were you? Oh, I was five. I was great. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, at five, anything's great. But I remember the beach was really close. I remember we couldn't go off base. Right. I do recall that. But other than that, I really don't have any bad memories of it. My memories are all really good. I had a lot of little friends. And there were a lot of kids. A lot of kids, <laughs> yep. A lot of kids. Because I, we didn't live on a huge base. It was a pretty small base. But everybody there had kids my age. So I loved it. We were there for two years. It was great. So is that true? I mean, you moved around a lot. Is it true? Obviously not. You've connected you connect with the south and this region in particular but did you have a hard time uh making friends and connecting with people traveling so much as a kid I think I mean I kind of did but I think for me it's more just uh, being an only child I was a little bit shy now all of those things have really helped me because I can usually relate to people I've either lived somewhere that they've lived or visited so it's, it's really turned around now. At one time, being an only child and living all over made me a little bit shy, having to meet new people every two or three years. And now it's, it's made me way more social because I always have something to talk about with somebody. So that could have affected your decision to be in marketing. I mean, your skills are maybe were getting honed. 
Maybe so. Exactly. Okay. Now, um, Cornell, I would like to know, I heard you say you had restaurants. Mm -hmm. Was that in New Orleans? Yeah. I had uh, my first restaurant open with a friend, a high school buddy. We opened right around uh, LSU Med Center. It was called Crescent City Cafe. And it was an all-you-can-eat buffet. And we had two P-Rogs, 12-foot P-Rogs side-by-side that had 100 different items to make <laughs> soups and salads. Well, we ate we had, out of the P-Rogs? Well, not yet. Well, <laughs> in somewhat. I mean, you fix your salads Instead, out of like, it. Like, did you have a glass thing in front, like a sneeze yeah, guard, or was kinda, it like an yeah, open? it was a sneeze guard, but you had the P-Rogs <laughs> that were side-by-side. That's and you clever. Had like 50 items Cute. in each one, and so we had 100 different items to make a salad, and each day I would prepare like six different soups, and oh. it was always You funny. were the chef? Yeah, and it was, so it was always funny to me that that we had all these med students and they'd eat the soups and the salads and every day I put out this big old bread pudding and if they knew the calories that were in the bread pudding that they were eating <laughs> it just totally blew the salad that they ate out the water I mean I had more I mean it was made with croissants and white chocolate and uh, so whatever ooh. even if they ate like a one serving of the bread pudding it totally destroyed whatever salad <laughs> part they ate and then um, after I wrote uh, Goodnight Nola is when I opened um, Kingfish Grill on the West Bank. And I was kind of in the crosshairs between four different restaurants that were all buddies of mine. So when I decided to open it, it was not going to be a traditional New Orleans po'boy restaurant. It wasn't going to be, you know, shrimp po'boys and oyster oyster po'boys and roast beef. And, you know, so everything we did on the menu was totally different. It was going to be a fast food like an upscale fast food type restaurant and we did great we had like 96 percent likes on urban spoon and it was just kind of because it was called kingfish people didn't really get that it was about ue long which we were originally the restaurant was going to be on uep long avenue in gretna uh-huh. and another friend of mine opened a <coughs> restaurant called uep's pizza joint on uep long and so we moved like a block over but people still thought that it was a uh, fish restaurant. Uh-huh. They didn't get the kingfish <laughs> reference to it. So uh-huh. we would get people from the East Bank coming to the West Bank, and they'd get there and looking for seafood, and they'd get there and they're like, oh, uh-huh. what do you mean? This is a sandwich shop? <laughs> and, but we, had, we were voted on in uh, Lanyap. We had one of the best Cuban sandwiches in the city. We had one of the best roast beef po'boys in the city. And then two months or three what well, was about a Two months after I decided to close, Napoleon, the unknown critic on WWL, just praised the restaurant, just like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is the greatest, you know, things in sliced bread. You got to come try it. All the sandwiches are so great. And then WWL was calling me up, and I said, yeah, I closed about a month and a half ago. Oh. <laughs> It'd be great if y'all had done this about a month and a half ago. I probably really enjoyed it a lot. But, yeah, we uh, we shut it down. It was it was, uh, you know, the books don't talk back to you. The books don't go bad. <laughs> and so unlike the restaurant industry, you know, yeah. in bitter fighting between kitchen staff and opening cases of lettuce that are half bad when you get them. And like, you know what? My books don't go bad. They don't talk back to me. Now, speaking of talking about different lifestyle. You know what? I'm going to go enjoy the Jazz Fest all seven days. <laughs> and I don't have to worry about the restaurant. So and that's research and development, R&D. <laughs> going to Jazz Fest. That's it. Now, talking back to you, yes. I heard some stories about Faye Dunaway talking oh. back once in a while. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experiences with her? How did you meet her? How did you meet her? What did you me do for her? and Faye. How did you end up doing I was going to write a book um, called Driving Miss Crazy. <laughs> and that was going to be my book about Faye Dunaway. We had worked on, uh, actually, the Nora Roberts books. Uh, you know, Nora Roberts is a great author or whatever. And um, so they were doing a series of her movies here in New Orleans and they did Midnight Bayou and I'm trying to think of what the other one was but both of the actresses the back to back I had Faye Dunaway and I had Brittany Murphy so two months two months of driving Miss Crazy so so you were doing catering no 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 you were driving I I was driving like driving them (laughs) I was just going to be her driver literally driving literally her driver there's like actually what happened was what happened was I was going to be driving Jerry McConnell and so I, I drove him around for like three weeks and he was the funnest guy. He still text messages me during LSU games and things like that. And um, so they said, well, we were going to have Lauren Bacall, <laughs> but instead of Lauren Bacall, we casted Faye Dunaway for the part. So they decided that I would be the best person to drive Faye Dunaway around. 
Now, how'd you end up driving anybody? What, what, what were you driving for? I had worked in the movie industry for a while. Like, I started off on a catering rig because of the, the cooking. So I started working on a catering rig. And then at uh, one day in August, when it was pegging 140 on the temperature, the thermometer that goes into the meat, yeah. was sitting at 140 on the shelf. <laughs> I decided that this was something that I did not want to do for too long. So I started meeting other people on movie sets and seeing what they had done and, you know, what they made and money-wise and stuff. And so I said, well, let me go do something else. So I worked in a production office for a while. I worked as a production assistant on set. And then uh, one of the cast, well, one of the second ADs had said, you know, why don't you drive? You, you got a great personality. Why don't you drive around some of the stars? So I said, okay. And so the, the first one was was Jerry, and then they put me with Faye. And then it just became this whole <laughs> crazy, like, uh, almost like. Yeah. came crazy. What, yeah, what, what, it's like almost crazy. like fear and loathing in Las Vegas. It seemed like <laughs> an acid trip kind of thing. Oh. It was because, like, it couldn't be real that Faye would just, you know, there would. I, there were just it's just like so many crazy things that I would have to put it in the book. But, you know, one was one night we were coming up. We were, I think it was um, I want to say it was Halloween night because I was all excited because, you know, I'm going to be able to get to go spend it with my daughter. They were letting the crew off early. And so we're coming up up to Frenchman. But it was a one way street. We're in the bywater and we're coming up. And then all of a sudden she screams, stop. She she literally makes me slam on the brakes <laughs> and she says now back up i said she says turn around and back up the other way miss dunaway we're on a one-way street she says i do not effing care go back up the street and so i'm going against traffic up this one way street or something? yeah it was like running parallel with the, the by you know the charter street it was you know like charter street runs this way the other one's coming up the next week so you're going the wrong way we're going the wrong way Probably a big car. Right. We were in like a Chrysler 300 or something. Whatever. And so we, we pull off, and then she tells me to stop again. And then she says, did you not see that black cat? <laughs> I said, excuse me, Miss Dunaway? She said, the black cat that ran in front of the car. Did you not see the black cat? I said, no, I was not aware of the black cat. I'm sorry. And then so she would not let me go back up the street and pass where the black cat had crossed over. Bad luck. Right. Bad luck, yeah. Bad luck thing. Bad luck is when you run head on into another car. And another because car going on the wrong way. And get known for killing. But everybody, everybody laughs. Faye Dunaway. Yeah, right. Yes. Faye Dunaway dies and you're well, in the wrong way. There was that. this producer, Gideon Amir, and Gideon uh, is from Israel. And he would, he his accent, you know, and he was like, Cornell, do you need me to get you an assistant? I would be happy to get you an assistant. Just let me know. And I said, no, you will get me a whole month extra pay for driving this crazy <laughs> woman around because she had me one and, and she this was you remember when uh, michael jackson had the sars mask on yeah, yeah, yeah wear the mask right. and the gloves well that's what she would dress up like she would put this mask over her face and she had the gloves and <laughs> she would want me to bring her to walgreens on esplanade <laughs> and on no elysian fields and say that she was just going to go into walgreens by herself i said no, Miss Dunaway, not on my watch. I'm not going to be responsible for you going and telling off somebody. So you're a bodyguard too? Did yeah, you? I was a bodyguard. I was a cook for her. We were in. The, well, this is another funny story. We we're in Donaldsonville. No, we we're in Napoleonville. We were at some plantation, and she thought that all the plantation people were going to work there the whole day. So when the time when the plantation shut down, everybody starts leaving and Jerry O'Connell leaves and then Lawrence Demille, the other actress leaves. And so she's going to be the only actress staying at this plantation by herself, which kind of looks like a haunted mansion thing in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and then she wouldn't let me leave. So she wouldn't let me. She so you spent the night with Faye yeah, 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 at, yeah. The, at the mansion? Well, no, not literally, but well, yes, yeah. I guess. Yes, literally. Literally, I did. But yeah. So it's and, you and Faye Dunaway by yourself. Right, and so the, creepy the funniest evening. thing is after she had already freaked out all the workers there, the, the funniest thing that happened before the last lady that worked left, she said, baby, now here is where we keep all the liquor. So here's, we got Kettle One, we've got Crown Raw, we got everything <laughs> over here. And there's no TVs, there's no radios, there's nothing in this plantation. So it's and so you and Faye Dunaway getting drunk Dunaway. in the middle of the night. No, 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 no. <laughs> Faye's downstairs, I'm upstairs watching episodes of uh, The Family Guy on my, on my, because they did have a Wi-Fi connection, so... <laughs> 
someone wow. Wi-Fi watching Family Guy. And then Brittany and Murphy after that? Yeah, Brittany. How long ago was that before she she? Uh, you know, that was uh, about passed. a year. And this, honestly, the sad thing about that was the day that I met her, I told my wife, I said that I, I don't think she would last a year. Wow. And that's about Why? what she did. You, yeah, that's about you what could she did. tell she. Oh, no, no. It was like they I had, well, there were times, because we filmed around the same section. We were either in Donaldsonville, Napoleonville kind of area where we were filming. And uh, I'd have to pick her up at, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning to try to make a 6 o'clock crew call. And she wouldn't come downstairs till like, 5.30. And when they got downstairs, they were already so, you know, you could hammered. tell they were so hammered that uh. it was, you know, she and the, the husband. So whatever controversy the dad's trying to, to play off right now right. on <laughs> whatever, that's not true. Right, yeah, he's saying she was assassinated or something like yeah, that. It's like, no, no, no. She was doing a lot of drugs, yeah, he was, in your yeah, opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd have to go. We're in Napoleonville, and I'd have to go get him a quad uh, Venti espresso or something like three times a day and <laughs> her vanilla lattes all day like we're in donaldsonville i don't think you know we're not, we're not, we're not finding but another one with faye dunaway another the funny story that i was about to tell before was we we didn't have to be back and to film in the city until like the, the day after and she fell sick and so she was she wanted me all she wanted was a steak and she wanted spinach so I guess she either knew I had cooked before or whatever. So I was no problem finding a steak at a grocery store in the city. But all the grocery stores that were around this place were, were like, you know, canned spinach. So I'm, I'm not, buy, I'm not bringing her back Popeyes canned spinach. No, she's not going to tolerate so that. So I'm driving up and down this road. I don't know what highway it was, but all of a sudden I stop and I think, who has spinach? And I said Subway. Subway has spinach on their sandwiches. <laughs> I'm going to stop at a Subway. So I ran to the Subway. I said, look, I'll give you $15 right now. Just give me a whole bag of the spinach that you put on the sandwiches. So the guy's like, what? I said, look, $15. Where's the manager? Give me 15 I got $15 right here. Just take the spinach. I mean, you take the money and give me the spinach. So they gave me the spinach. And so I go and run back to the plantation because I think it, it might have been a Saturday because the, the workers weren't there. And so I had access to the kitchen, and I go and cook her her ribeye steak and sautéed cream spinach. spinach you know. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, my funny, just a little bit of the Faye Dunaway stories. That was well, uh, that could go on for a whole nother wow. hour. Meredith, I know besides listening to Cornell's stories, which are hysterical, yes. what else do you do for fun? Well, I mean, work is fun. <laughs> Okay. And CrossFit is fun. It's good. Hey, Writing is right fun. <laughs> All that stuff is fun. Oh, but okay. Outside of what you shoot, don't you? Oh, oh, oh I do. Oh, yeah, oh, oh. I do. That um, that's some good. Does not sound like fun for everyone, but that would okay. <laughs> it is. It Tell is us fun. About that. It, and I don't get to do it as often as I'd like, but hopefully that that will change. I'll fit more into my schedule. I, you know, my dad was an excellent marksman and I really never let him work with me I was very stubborn he was very stubborn so we, w we wouldn't have been good like that but um, now I kind of see the value in it and I've always been interested in it so I have a friend that works for Louisiana State Police in SWAT and he is a big three-gun shooter and so he said you know let's let's work together and I'll kind of show you the ropes so I just started with him Oh, it's probably just been maybe five or six months ago. We've worked together, and I, I mean, I've got to shoot some amazing weapons, and hopefully, maybe, maybe spring, summerish, I could actually like do a competition, a three-gun competition. Okay, wow. so is it more thrilling the marksmanship aspect or the actual weapon? And what what is the what is the thrill to it? For me, it's I love trying the different weapons. They're all so different. Like the first time I went out with this guy to the range, he had this huge gun. I mean, I didn't even know what it was. And it, it turned out to be a 338 Lapua, which is like a military sniper extreme rifle. I mean, it's the kind, you don't want this in your enemy's hands. And so he's like, you're gonna fire that before you leave today. And I'm like, what? I, no way. He said, yeah, no, you're gonna do it. And I did, and I hit my target, which was like, I don't know, 200 yards away and I was so excited and the bullets are just enormous but anyway that's that's the thrilling part for me is like trying the different weapons and, and what I like best 
that's it's really exciting. have you ever been knocked over by a weapon i haven't not yet <laughs> saw that crossfit that's your Maybe next marketing yeah. she, can, she can move a tie that's right core <laughs> strength yes that that keeps me upright. Maybe wrapped in a haydell's braided king, king cake, cake yes with the exact cushion and right case. See, it all ties together somehow. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm starting to think both these people are spies. I'm thinking of a video yeah. of her shooting up king cakes from Haydell's or something. Ah, oh, yeah. there you go. That'd be great. I mean, that'd be a good commercial. Like Maybe king like, cakes exploding. Like, like right. pull. Yes, there you go. <laughs> That's a hmm, good idea. Um, w- back to Haydell's for a second. How many king cakes do they produce a season and tell everyone what the season is how how many weeks this, this it season. definitely depends on when fat tuesday is sometimes you have short seasons and longer seasons this is a pretty right. long season because the start like date is fixed days. all the time but the yes. end date can vary so much depending on when lens starts which depends on when exactly. Easter starts and so it can be so very early. Yeah, equinox and all that it? good stuff yeah, yeah right exactly we follow all that it's yeah. not just i mean yeah. it's by the equinox it's not a it's a religious thing, or yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, but that's, well, both are tied to the same thing. Is what okay. It is, yeah. Right, because twelfth night is always on January sixth. Always January. It's 6th. the twelfth night after Christmas. Right. So, and that's Epiphany. the official right. right. The Epiphany. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's but the official the start of cake. carnival season. It's the baby. Yeah. No, we no, we, no, we found really out. Oh, let's not start that again. Let's not start a controversy. That is not baby Jesus. All right. So, on an average season, how many how many cakes are they selling roughly? I would say uh, average season anywhere between fifty and sixty thousand. That's 60, probably 000. like more like an annual number, but you have to remember that the majority of those king cakes are coming at that time. Oh yeah. So that's when we're making most right. of them. It's more or less offensive to eat them after uh, Lent starts or before January sixth. That's what I see. Like a king cake in the grocery that. store, and I get a, I get annoyed. Well, <laughs> and do. we do make I'm them sorry. year round. We we do make them year round, but we also I, we have so many customers who used to live here and they love oh, that's it true too, and, right, and, and right. we're soldiers overseas i mean right, heck, okay. we're not going to deprive them oh, of king oh, cake no, right. that's wonderful <laughs> they get them but if you times. live here you shouldn't eat them out before january 6th you got to save it up anticipation is the thing i think you know i refuse then eat them every day. I, I refuse to eat one before january 6th that's just yeah. me personally everybody's entitled to their opinion are we out of time already grant is that what happened the uh that was amazing fake stars are twinkling (laughs) the sun is about to come up that rooster on the ice and um (laughs) on the hockey rink is Mm -hmm. starting to crow (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately we're getting to the end of our show but we would like y'all to can you please um give the some information about Haydell's and your business, uh, Meredith. Yes. And yes. I anything else to. you want to plug as well? Yeah, and Cornell, if you'd like to okay. um, give a link for your sure. your books and. Mm-hmm. So what do you got for us, Meredith? Uh, well, like we said, our main location is on Jefferson Highway, and then and right now we're open seven days a week during Carnival season. We're open seven days a week, and our we've got our little pop up on magazine over here, which is open through Lundy Gras the day before uh, Fat Tuesday. And then, of course, anyone can visit us anytime at Haydell Bakery. There's no S, haydellbakery.com. And just remember that we ship nationwide, overseas, pretty much anywhere. And we do make king cakes year-round. Huh. And, you know, I I just realized you're only, what, four blocks maybe from the parade route when it's on uh, Napoleon, too. That's a very good observation. So if you're there and you're waiting for the parade and something broke down and hasn't started yet or you get there a little early, one of you can run over and grab a king cake and bring it back for the rest of the party. Exactly. That would be just that'd be a great way to celebrate uh, the Mardi Gras parades, I would think. Mm. I agree. I'm going to do that for sure in a few weeks. And for me, uh, look, I go to schools. One of my favorite things to do about this whole industry uh, since I've written the books, is going to schools, reading to the children. I don't charge any fees to go to the schools and read. All I ask is that maybe a week before they send a flyer home to let them know that I'm going to come to the schools and that I'll have book for sale and that I'll be able to sign them and personalize them. So you could either find me on Facebook, go under, just look under Cornell Landry, author, and you'll find me on my webpage. Or you can go to blackpotpublishing.com, which leads back to my love of cooking. So black pot, as in cooking in a black cast iron pot, blackpotpublishing.com. And you can set up an uh, author request and send me any kind of emails you want. 
And okay, so any schools out there listening, teachers, principals, administrators, uh, contact Cornell, and you can have him come to your school free of charge. There you and go. And your books are on um, Haydell's website yeah, as well. Yeah, actually Haydell's, and look, plug all the local um, booksellers, Maple Street Books, Octavia Books, Garden District, buy local. Amen. All right, well, thank you. Thank you all so much. Yeah. Our special guest us. tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One was Meredith Timberlake, and Meredith's Plus One was Cornell Landry. You can find out more about uh, Meredith and about Haydell Bakery and uh, Cornell and the Bee Dog books and the other books by following links on our website, itsneworleans.com. Good night. Midnight Menu Plus One is produced by Grant Morris, and Chris Keogh is our technical director. And this fabulous audio quality that you hear is by PreSonus Audio Electronics. Makes all kinds of wonderful things. Visit PreSonus.com for more information. You can get in touch with us here at Midnight Menu Plus One by going to our website. It's NewOrleans.com. And from there, you can follow us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, sign up for our mailing list, get all kinds of swag. Uh, and while you're at itsneworleans.com, you can listen to other episodes of Midnight Menu Plus One and our other shows, Happy Hour, Mindset, True to the Game, Vietnola, Out to Lunch, and others. And if you listen to the show on iTunes, uh, please rate us and review us. It helps other people to find us. Midnight Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. So we meet here again. I am Ray Canada. And I'm Margo Moss. Thanks. Summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822 to 828 and online 822 to 824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees.